Hey everyone, and welcome to Laser Source, the number one laser engraving podcast. Whether you're just getting into lasers or you're trying to level up and grow your laser business that exists already, we're going to cover all of the latest tips and tricks, new techniques, new technologies, and more, uh, as well as getting the perspective and experience from other laser engraving professionals uh, through interviews and hangout sessions. So if you are interested at all in laser engraving, regardless of your skill level, this is exactly the place you want to be. Every single week we cover new topics and perspectives to make sure that you have a well-rounded understanding of what's going on in the laser world. So sit back, relax, and uh, get ready to learn because we're going to cover a bunch of new stuff and we're getting started right now. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Laser Source podcast, the number one podcast if you're looking to grow or scale your laser business. Um grow and scale your laser business. It's one of the massive, massive things that we're going to be covering today, like very specifically. A lot of episodes, we kind of wander off into, uh, you know, weird kind of corners of, of the laser world and, and things that are going on in our shops. But we're hyper focused on upping our game and leveling up today uh, because we are being joined by Alex Campbell, who owns Etchified. How's it going, Alex? Oh, it's great. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's so great to have you here, man. We, yes, I'm, I'm so excited to like tap your knowledge. You've got so much in there. Um, this is actually going to be a two-part episode because Alex just has so much to share. But before we get into all that, uh, I do just want to say hey to my other uh, fellow hosts here. So uh, we've got Tony. What's up? I like your hey, Master of Coins, coins you, badge there. I yeah, try, that's very fancy. I try over here. I like it. And you get the blue light too. You're like, hey, you're like stepping it up. I'm yeah. You're matching you, it up, man. I'm you trying. got things going on. Uh, we got Gio here. What's up, Gio? How's it going, man? Morning. How's it going? Good morning. And uh, Lithgo is joining us from Australia again. What's up, Lithgo? Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome back. It's great to have you. So, um, you know, Alex, I just, so Tony won't shut up about asking me about your origin story. So before we get into all of your like yes. amazing tips and tricks and, and stuff like that, I, I really want to hear this because he hasn't given me any, I haven't had, it hasn't been spoiled for me. No, I'm still like a completely anything. fresh set of ears. So I'm really looking forward to like, why, why this, how did you get here? What were you doing before? Can you touch on that for us a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, so my journey to, uh, you know, running a laser engraving business hasn't been a straightforward path really. And then I would say that there's not, not any path that I would say that is, is the right way to get here. But um, basically my entire life, I've had sort of two core, uh, you know, features about what I do, right? So there's been making. Um, so, you know, like always building and, and designing and making things as well as then an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, when I was like seven years old, we'd go across the street. There was a, uh, a gas station across the street and they sold cans of, of pop for 25 cents. We would go fill up a cooler, drive around the, the neighborhood, pulling my brother in a wagon. And we'd go and sell like cookies and, and, and pops at a markup to, to the construction workers that were, that were at, the, at the construction sites. Right. So, I mean, that's it been just ingrained in me ever since I've been a kid. Now, as an adult, um, you know, I was really focused when I came out of high school and I wanted to be a paramedic. When I was 12 years old, I 
totally just decided, you know, I'm going to be a paramedic. I was actually doing like first aid competitions nice. and stuff through, through scouts. And, um, you know, hyper-focused on that through high school, probably almost to a fault because I sort of uh, didn't explore like the engineering side of, of, you know, what I was really interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I was to go back, I probably would have gone into some sort of uh, engineering. Um, right. You know, although I, I know a lot of miserable engineers now, though. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, I became a paramedic like right out of high school before I was even old enough to take the, the first courses. I was actually taking taking courses when I was 17 years old. Uh, you know, I, I just sort of was like, oh, they didn't even ask that if I was 18 or not. So I just took the courses and uh, and, you know, became a paramedic at uh, 20 years old. And, and, you know, that's that's it's been a great career, right? Um you know, at 20 years old, when you're out, you're, you're working in, uh, in Alberta, like Alberta is a massive province, right? It's, it's, uh, you know, 1600 kilometers or like a thousand miles from North to South. Um, right. and, and, you know, most people go and work in rural Alberta. And so I was able to, to go get a job in rural Alberta, have lots of fun. Then eventually everyone sort of moves towards the cities cause that's where the pay and the working conditions and the equipment and everything is better. And then worked in the city. Um, so I worked on the front lines as a paramedic for about eight or nine years. And then I actually got into an opportunity came up where I was able to become a clinical educator. So for five years, I specialized in uh, actually video production and e-learning. So a lot of oh. like technical skills there, right? But huge learning curve, right? So I mean, I went in knowing nothing about video and then, you know, basically ran uh, a, a media department where we were doing photography and videography for, for five years. And then after that, I actually became a public education officer. So, you know, another great job, right? I mean, I literally, my job was going to elementary schools and teaching kids about 911 safety. Wow. Right. So, I mean, it was just like super fun, you know, great job, you know, lots of experience in communications, public speaking. Um, but then COVID hit, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, during COVID, I started, started developing my business, but we'll, we'll sort of come back to that. Now, in the, the business side of things, um, since about 2007, uh, so, you know, like 14 years now, I've had some sort of side gig going pretty much all the time. So originally, I actually uh, designed and manufactured some Volkswagen performance parts. Um, it was a, I had a Volkswagen diesel and I built like little power boxes that uh, tricked the computer into into, uh, you know, giving it more fuel and more boost. So, you know, mm -hmm. you'd have these like little rockets, uh, you know, Volkswagen Volkswagen Golfs. I did that for a while and that sort of fizzled out for me. Um, you know, just some sort of something I, I lost interest in, but then I really got into photography. Um, spent, uh, you know, several years, about seven years, I think as a wedding photographer, um, wow. you know, sh nice. shooting weddings. I mean, there was years I shot 14 weddings. So between me and then I had a, a really, a really good friend who is also a paramedic firefighter that, uh, that was sort of my photography partner. And between us, we shot like 60 weddings over the course of, of several years. Right. So then, you know, just completely different from, from what I'm doing now. Right. And then after that, I really got into making. So. 2017, I actually built my first CNC router. So it was something that I'd always been interested in. But then uh, there's this um, maker system called Open Builds that uh, allowed me to start building, uh, you know, build, build a, a CNC router, right? And it just, it, it got to the point, I think it's where laser engraving is now, where it was easy enough to buy the components and sort of source all the components, but then put it together. And then there's enough, uh, you know, YouTube content coming out on how to actually run the machines, how to build them. So I did that. And then 
you know, within a year I, I bought, you know, an industrial, like four foot by eight foot vacuum table, CNC router with a tool changer. And I, I was really focusing on, uh, on personalized signs. So, you know, like I was taking these pieces of live edge walnut and, and making these just absolutely gorgeous um, live edge signs, shipping them all over the world uh, through mm -hmm. through an Etsy store, which yeah. you know, I think is honestly an awesome platform for anyone who's looking into to, to getting into selling because of how cheap and accessible it is compared to everything else. You know, people complain about 30 cent listing fees, but it's like that's nothing in the in the website world. Right. 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 Um, and, you know, the customers are cheap to get on Etsy. Um, so I was selling those signs and then, um, you know, literally, uh, yesterday was the one year anniversary to, uh, to me finding the shop. So in, uh, Edmonton, they have a really neat, a really neat shop, uh, called Timber. And I'll give them a lot of credit for basically being that, that bridge to me being able to leave my, my, um, my, my full-time job. And, uh, I sort of throughout COVID, of course, I have a, a huge 1390, like red sail, 100 watts laser, reader controller, awesome machine. It's been nothing but great for me. Uh, and I bought that actually a while ago and I was cutting masks and this guy showed up in my garage. I was cutting masks, like, like thousands of masks, like, like, but, but I mean, the laser cutter, you know, I could cut in an hour what it would take someone, you know, days and days with some of the complex shapes of masks that we, people were making. So I was cutting mm -hmm. thousands of masks and this guy shows up in my garage and he's like, Oh, what do you do here? And I was like, well, I just do this and this and this. And he said, oh, you need to check out this place that I, I rent space in. So it was actually this, this co-working space in Edmonton and they have essentially a fully built out professional wood shop. Um, and I was actually in, in uh, a part of the, the building that had a guy that makes like bespoke, like $2,000 light fixtures that are in like, you know, like Google and Microsoft buy them from him for their buildings and like mm -hmm. hotels and stuff you know, just like just super high end stuff. But there was like a guy that did perfume in there. And there was like a guy that made, uh, you know, custom like, like boutique children's toys. So it was a really great uh, place to like, you know, learn about things. But basically, in there, I really started developing the Tumblr business. And then it just sort of started growing and growing and growing, um, you know, to, to the point of, of where, you know, I was able to, to move into my own shop about two months ago. Now, my laser engraving journey is, is one that starts, you know, like so many other people. So I was I had the CNC router and I'm like, there's got to be a faster and easier way to do this. Like, you know, like make things than, than with the CNC router. Right. Because it's awesome for big things, but like like making little intricate parts and stuff. And actually, I, I also owned a photo booth company as well. So I designed and built a bunch of photo booths. And actually, I've, I've, so I'm actually building a photo booth for, uh, for one of my friends who's a DJ right now. Uh, it's like an iPad photo booth, but so I've built about seven photo booths over the years as well. But uh, I, I found that like on the CNC router, like cutting and like designing all the small parts was really difficult. So I'm like, oh, I want to get a laser cutter. So lo and behold, um, I was a brief owner of a of a Glowforge. Uh, so don't <laughs> you know, don't hold it against me. But like like literally the the day after I got the Glowforge, I'm like. It was like, wah, wah. Like, uh, it was like, I, I see, I see all the people doing things fast. Like, how come this thing doesn't do this fast? Right. So then like, don't get me wrong. If you're like, if someone's like a crafter mom that has no interest in learning how to like align mirrors or, or anything, and they just want to like, you know, make cute earrings or something like that, honestly, perfect machine, right? Like don't, don't import a machine from China if you are not willing to do this stuff, right? So I think yep. the Glowport Forge definitely has a place in the market. But, you know, I, I was a guy that had just, you know, I owned an industrial CNC router. I just, you know, 
built my own CNC machine and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, I think I can handle one of these Chinese lasers. Um, and I'll give a lot of credits to, uh, you know, to, to Lightburn uh, because Lightburn is honestly, um, you know, basically like one of the major reasons that I think so many people are able to get into laser engraving because it's so accessible, right? I mean, it, I think it's, you know, it, it's it's better than the software that, that some of the $50,000 machines are running on. So, so I give a lot of credit to them. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I, I mean, I bought that and then, um, you know, last, last year, so during COVID, my, the first year I started doing tumblers, uh, father's day came around and I sort of put a Facebook marketplace post as I think a lot of people start off at. And, you know, all these people were like, oh yeah, I want these tumblers. I want these tumblers. And, but what I found was that like, you know, there's a ceiling to how much you can charge for those things, right? You know, someone's not going to pay 150 bucks for, for a personalized tumbler, right? They'll, they'll, they'll go somewhere else. And I mean, that's, that's, I think the bottom line to a lot of the stuff that, that any of us are making is that at some point it becomes a commodity, right? Where someone will just say, okay, you know, this is too expensive for me, or I don't like the customer service here. I can go down the road and get one of these right now. Um, so, so I, I really got into the tumblers and once again, I was like, you know, just, just from like, the, the CNC router to the uh, to the laser world, I was like, okay, there's got to be a better way to do these tumblers. So I did yeah. a bunch of research and um, came across Radian Laser. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Radian Laser. Like it's actually a US-based uh, outfit. You guys, if you're into Galvo lasers, Google, like after, after we're done here, Google Radian Laser. They yeah. are out of the, the US. Um, they're out of California. And uh, they're just like, you know, they're like a thunder laser, a boss laser or whatever. Like they bring in the, they, they, they're manufactured by CK laser, but they bring it in and then they actually add a whole bunch of accessories and stuff onto them. So I actually started off by talking to like uh, Radian Laser and then there's another one in Canada, um, they have a Canadian office called Keyence. I don't know if that's how you say it, but yeah, they also do like, they do the 3D dynamic galvanometer lasers. Yep. So after seeing some videos of like the dynamic Galvo lasers that will like just like engrave a tumbler flat, I was like, okay, I want to see how much those are. Talk to Radian Laser, they start at seventy five thousand US. Uh, talk to Kians, like you know, entry level is like you know fifty thousand dollars Canadian for like a thirty watt. You know, and I'm like, okay, that's not where I need to go. So did some more poking around, and I ended up buying my sixty watt Galvo from um, from OV Laser. They're great to deal with. They sort of mm -hmm. specialize in. Uh, in, in fiber laser actually. Uh, but I, I bought my 60 watt Galva from them with a, just an awesome, like I've, sh I've shown you pictures, Alex, of that like little rotary. It's like a spring loaded rotary yeah. that actually clamps the cup from each end. Um, yep. Super repeatable. And I mean, I engraved on that 60 watt Galva laser, you know, over 10,000 cups, right? So as my business started growing though, I was like, okay, well, like what's the next step? How do I scale this? And, you know, in, in the Tumblr game, it all comes down to, you know, and I always drool. I, I, I much, you know, some, some of the radiant laser videos have like a thousand views. I'm probably like 700 of them, I think on, on some of their, their videos uh, about their, their, their system. Right. So I kept seeing the system where you'd load a bunch of cups in and then it would rotate a cup and then you can load and unload the cups while it's engraving another one. And it's yeah. engraving at like blazing speed. Right. So, you know, once again, started poking around and, and doing my research on it and found out that's when I actually found out uh, from a guy named uh, Chris Bratton. He's really um, he's really active in like the Facebook laser engraving community. And uh, I found out from him that these uh, radiant lasers are actually ma manufactured by CK laser in China. So he gave me a contact for CK laser and then I was able to 
chat, start chatting with them and, and basically uh, spec out and have, you know, this laser over here built for me. So uh, now I'm running this one. It's a 180 watts uh, laser, uh, which honestly might be overkill. I think 100 watts would probably would probably you know be more than enough for what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and you know 180 watts dynamic focus, so it has about 25 millimeters of dynamic focus. So that means that from like the lowest point to the highest point yeah, in nice. focus it would would be 25 millimeters of actual dynamic range. But because the focal length is so long, so this 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 laser. So I mean, you know, we talk about you know you know, 300 focal length is being a long focal length. This one, by the way, it's built. This is a 500 millimeter focal length. Wow. And, the, and the engraving area is 400 by 400. And I can actually adjust that uh, if I lose a bit of resolution. I can actually adjust that to a 500 by 500 millimeter, like 18 by 18 inch engraving area. So having 180 watts over those those areas, right? And the dynamic galvos, the, the difference with them is that not only can they 3D focus, but over a large area, is because they can actually shift the focus because you know as you've explained several times on on your your live stream and on the the youtube episodes alex is that the distance from the galvo head is way different out of the edges of of your of your piece so because it can dynamically focus it can actually get out to the edges so these are actually used a lot <clears throat> um in like the shoemaking industry so there's mm. videos like you know if you go into like the depths of you know galvo laser youtube um, there's videos of, of like shoe manufacturers and stuff using like these, like, you know, 150 plus watt lasers and oh. they're, you know, doing all of the perforations for like doing leather shoes, um, you know, or, um, you know, like athletic wear where there's like little cutouts in athletic wear and stuff like that. So they, they'll put a sheet on and it's going and it's just like flame shooting smoke everywhere. Um, but you know, the, the speed at which you can do this with uh, is just unreal. So that's basically how I got to, you know, owning this laser and, and sort of running the business. That's what an insane story. I feel like like the first time I've ever been in like hyper speed in like Star Wars. It was full of surprises, too. What dude, a great story, man. That was fascinating. Every time he opens his mouth, he's just like Alex is like, yeah. And then I got into and then I'm like, dude. It I'm like waiting and he's like you. custom Volkswagen parts. And I'm like, yes. oh my God, <laughs> I told you, like man. every time. It's crazy. Wow. That's crazy. What a, what a, what a story. <laughs> I, that, that giant, the big one, the big boy, mm -hmm. that thing blows my mind. I, so I don't know if you can or are willing to share this and if you're not, that's okay. But like when you, when you, I've seen it on the tumblers, it like starts engraving on the top and like, that's all good and fine. And then as it starts to wrap, don't you get like the stretching as it like wraps down the, like almost to the side of it? Isn't that kind of like those lines would be thicker because it's, it's kind of sheeting off more where if, it, if that same line was on top, it would be like narrow. But yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, so built into, so my laser runs on EasyCAD 3 um, mm -hmm. or a version of EasyCAD. They call it 3D laser software, but it's, it's, it's EasyCAD 3. It's just reskinned, sure. right? Sure. Um, and in EasyCAD 3, if you have the 3D module active, it actually allows you to bind your engraving to a 3D object. So mm. a Yeti, so I'm drinking out of one of my, uh, you know, one of my beautiful, you know, testing cups here. Uh, but a Yeti is actually, so like, a, or a tumbler is, is cone shaped, right? So it's actually has a bit of a taper to it. So you can actually program in a cone that has, you know, a top diameter, bottom diameter, and then uh, a length. And it will actually wrap 
the the object. Now the problem, the, the, kind of one of the crummy things is it'll only wrap vectors. I can't wrap a bit, it won't let me wrap a bitmap, but you can wrap it. So if you had like a, a, a sphere, so if you had like a hemisphere, you could actually program in a hemisphere, a cylinder. So when I'm doing like straight sided bottles or like skinny tumblers or like can holders, those are just a cylinder. So you just program in the diameter of the cylinder or the, the parameters of the cone. And, and, and like, we just have cheat sheets, right? You can actually probably see like right underneath the computer monitors, there's like cheat mm -hmm. sheets there. So we just have all those yeah. sort of cheat sheets sitting there for what our settings are. Um, and then it, it 3d, you know, dynamically, um, you know, wraps it. So, so that's, and that's like sort of how that works. For that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it adjusts for crazy. that. Right. And, and, you know, even when engraving flat, uh, you know, if, if you have like a, you know, like let's say like a fiber or a Galvo CO2 that has like a long enough lens, you can actually use in uh, EasyCAD 2, there's something called project mark that actually takes into account that cylindrical, you know, the, the cylindricity of, of an object, I guess. Right. Um, so basically you can program in that this object has a diameter of 88 millimeters and it will actually compensate the edges of how the, the edges would compress. Um, you know, the other, the other big one is, uh, is wine tumblers. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to engrave wine tumblers, but everything comes out like it's, it's fat on the bottom. This will, if you program in the taper of a wine tumbler, it will actually compensate. So when you look at it straight on, it's actually, it looks like a, you know, if you, if you engraved a square, if you looked at it straight on, it would be mm -hmm. a square. And if you turn to the side, it's, it's all warped because of, of how it's, uh, it has to wrap around the cup, but it, it works really great. So, I mean, when you were, when you were figuring this all out, did you, did you just say like, screw it, I'm locking myself in the shop for a week and like just start experimenting with all of these things? Or did you have resources that kind of helped you when you were trying to figure it out? A little bit. Um, the, the resources for EasyCAD 3, especially like the 3D part of EasyCAD 3 are, are pretty scant. So there's like, mm -hmm. you know, a couple uh, unnarrated Chinese videos of, of people showing how to do it. And then um, there is uh, a few videos by Radian Laser on how to bind a 3D object. Um, and some other cool things you can do is actually, you can even import an STL file. So like, if you, you know, if, uh, all those in the 3D printing world know that like an SDL file is like a, a mesh, a 3D mesh. You can actually import a 3D mesh and have that uh, put in. Uh, another cool thing is if you're doing a lot of flat engraving is that uh, EasyCAD 3, you can actually even put in a, uh, you can put a projector in like in your booth to actually project the image of what you're going to engrave uh, your engraving area. You can actually project it using a, like a, a projector onto the area. So that's yeah. just one of the features in EasyCAD 3. It's kind of pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so, so anyways, so the learning, um, I, I, I sort of knew, right. I, I'd watched enough YouTube content and I was familiar enough with EasyCAD 2. Um, but when I got this laser, uh, I literally had the next day, uh, uh, the start of a 300 piece run with it. So wow. I basically just sort of like as, as fast as I could just got it like up and running, you know, and, and, you know, it came ready to go out of the box. I mean, the, the and the quality of this laser is unbelievable. Like, you know, I, I see some people that buy, you know, machines from wherever they are, they're sourced from wherever, you know, like off brand, no name machines, and they show yeah. up and the electrical system's a, a nightmare. Like this machine is stout, right? Like everything, like all the bolts are Loctited. It's, you know, all the wiring is just super clean. There's a lot of like custom PCBs in there. Yep. Now the, the disadvantage of that, of course, is that user serviceability is probably pretty low, but everything, all the indications I have is, you know, CK is like a, a really, uh, 
reputable industrial laser manufacturer and they'll give you the support if you need it right so right right um but yeah so i had a, a 300 piece order to run like literally like the day after i got this thing so i just sort of you know pulled a late night i think the day i got the laser is about an 18 hour day and then mm. um you know the next day i ran you know 200 pieces on it um yeah. you know with with dynamic text actually so so i, I was actually loading a name every time i hit hit uh f2 it was loading another name in uh you know because you really I, just I, they you were pushed into a corner and you're like it's time to go like you had hmm. to just do it oh yeah yeah it's just, just like figured out jump in the jump in the deep end and, and go for it right yeah so i was i was actually planning on having the first episode that we had you on talking about more of the business stuff but it seems like okay, we very yeah. quickly no 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 yeah, no, no, no. we okay. yeah. very quickly slipped into um like easy cad stuff so i'm gonna i'm gonna just flip it and sure. we'll just we'll talk about business later because we're we're okay. in it now we, we're knee deep mm -hmm. oh, yeah. so um you know you you brought up to me when we, had, we were chatting before the show uh that you you definitely believe there are pitfalls that that people could be falling in if they're looking for a similar setup and uh did, you, you might have some warnings for people you know uh that that might be looking for something like this or messing around mucking around in these waters what kind of stuff would you definitely say to avoid uh what kind of things what are red flags what are we looking out for yeah so um i actually i on the discord i've actually been uh chatting back and forth with a few people about you know getting into the tumblr engraving and and, and the galvo the galvo world <clears throat> and my first piece of advice is don't buy galvo um you, you know like it's it's a very specialized piece of equipment especially the co2 galvos like i know alex that you've been you know sort of finding out that there's uh you know some, some limitations uh to yeah. to the to the galvos right um so my recommendation, if someone is interested in getting into the Tumblr business, especially if, if you haven't done market research or you aren't already selling them, buy a good quality gantry CO2 laser and buy the best rotary you can get your hands on. You know, I know that the, like the Rotoboss and the, uh, the Pyburn are very popular rotaries. Buy the best rotary. You can buy a gantry laser. 60 to 80 watts is more than enough to do tumblers. Buy the best rotary you can get your hands on and go to town right that will honestly i bet there you know for every person that owns a gantry or a galvo style co2 there's probably 50 people engraving tumblers and, and selling them on on a gantry laser so that's my first All piece right, of advice minutes done yeah so do you, do you still have your gantry or did you get rid of it when you no i i like, use it kind of like uh, upgrade through it oh yeah yeah no uh my gantry um you know, I have, I have it. I use it all the time still. Um, actually, right now, what I use it for the most is uh, sort of like quick one-off jobs that I, um, you know, don't set up. And, and uh, actually, just the other day was the first time I finally got around to setting up some, some jigs and stuff like that to actually set up a platform in here because mm. the, the Tumblr system that, that rotates inside my machine is very finicky to set up. So I actually built a platform that sits on top of that. Um, so I can put like flat objects, like I'm doing cake pans. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of like wooden boards and charcuterie boards and stuff. So now I can run them in this machine. So the, the, the gantry style laser, I'd say I use mostly for making jigs and then, um, you know, sort of custom jobs as they come in, but like more and more, I'm, I'm taking less like, especially custom cutting jobs. Like I'm, I'm really avoiding custom cutting jobs. Those are hard to make money on. Um, but I still have it set up. I have, I have the rotary for it. I still have my uh, my smaller Galvo CO2 laser for for redundancy as well. Mm -hmm. So your setup's very like modular. You have things, and they have they have a job that they do. It's not like one or the other. You're not picking one machine over the other. They they you have a spread, and they they have their their place in your shop. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, for sure. Right. So, um, you know, and, and basically, um, I have, you know, on this machine, this is set up mostly for tumblers, right? We're getting into a little mm -hmm. bit of that modularity, right? And, and really, you know, this is set up as a production cell. Like over here, I have my, uh, you know, my computers that have like our ordering system. We have our shipping printer under here is boxes, like, like mm -hmm. an order comes in and it leaves this cell with a shipping label on it. Right. And then the, um, the Galvo, the smaller Galvo CO2, I still use that quite a bit for like small, like, uh, like, like production jobs. So for instance, I have a guy coming in, uh, with, with 150 cutting boards that he's made. Uh, we're going to burn a logo on the side of them. Right. So like mm -hmm. so fast, you know, just sit there, foot pedal, you know, burn them. It's a five second engrave right on, on that one. Um, right. now, so, so, sorry, I go back to pitfalls about, about buying a, a you know, a, a laser, right? So, Please. um, so the other pitfalls I would say, like, if, if someone wants to get into the Galvo CO2, CO2 game is, um, you know, a, a 30 watt fiber laser is pretty capable machine. A 30 watt ga uh, Galvo laser is like, you know, it, it's usable if you get like a small enough lens, but it's, it's definitely not a comparable laser, right? Like, like as far right. as like power density, because the spot size on a CO2 is like 10 times the size of, of on a fiber laser, right? So your actual power density is already diminished. So, you know, a 30 watt laser, uh, you know, CO2 laser, uh, unless you're running a pretty small lens is, is not going to have a lot of power density and you're probably not going to be happy with it. Right. I'm, so the, 16... I'm the, the prime candidate of, of, of the example over here because we picked yeah. up our, our 30 watt Galvo CO2 and it was the first thing I noticed and it's driving me nuts is yeah. just the spot size. So <clears throat> you, <clears throat> excuse me, you were actually telling me like not only to move down to a smaller lens, but um, maybe if we could just take like a really quick beat and um, you could explain the the beam expander situation and the mirrors and the, the head and you need different heads and different beam expander. What's that all about? Because you don't ever hear people talk about that when we're talking about fiber, even though I know fiber utilizes some of that same tech, it's not as big of a deal because the spot size is so much bigger. It seems really important here. Can you touch on that real quick? Yeah. Now in, in lens theory, there's <clears throat> the calculation for uh, final spot size. Actually, one of the inputs for the, the, the spot size is actually the diameter coming into the, to the lens. So the diameter of, the, of the, the beam coming into the final lens, the larger it is, the smaller the final spot size is. And it's very counterintuitive. But um, in, in the Galvo laser world, um, if you get into like a 30, 30, uh, you know, 20 millimeter head or a 30 millimeter head, like a 10 millimeter head, pretty much everyone out there that, that has a fiber laser will have a 10 millimeter head on their fiber laser, right? Like right. They're, they're small, they're compact. Um, a 20 millimeter head though, for a CO2, uh, CO2 Galvo makes a world of difference because the beam is, can be twice the diameter. So you can actually get twice the, like, or sorry half the beam size, which is actually like multiple times, like four or five times the actual beam intensity by stepping right. up to a 20 millimeter head. So I was actually like literally on the discord, I was chatting back and forth with someone last night. And I said, if you want to buy, they were asking about tumblers. I'm like, if you want to buy a CO2 Galvo laser, don't buy less than 60 Watts and don't buy anything that doesn't have a 20 millimeter head. If someone's, if someone's trying to sell you a 10 millimeter head, say, no, thank you. I'll move on to the next person because a 20 millimeter head is the, all the difference in the world. I had my laser for, I don't know, four days before I, I, I went on uh, Ali, AliExpress and bought a 20 millimeter head. Um, right. It came with, came with 10 millimeter head. <clears throat> and luckily I was able to just figure out that 
that that was that was what my problem was right because i got it and i was like why won't this thing engrave a tumbler like you know it's a 60 watt laser you know i'm engraving on my on my gantry laser i'm engraving using maybe 30 watts so 60 watts should be more than enough but it's it's all comes down to the power density right right so switching out the switching out the head isn't enough though we also need to look at the the beam expander. so you have to get a beam expander and pair that with your head right yeah, so so on a CO2 laser, generally speaking, it's about a 2, 2.2 millimeter uh, beam coming out of the laser source. Okay. And if you have a 20 millimeter head, so let's say 2.2 millimeter beam coming out. If you have a, a, a 10 millimeter head, you have a 4x beam expander. If you have a 20 millimeter head, you have an, a 6x or an 8x beam expander. I have an 8x beam expander. Uh, I've had suggestions that it might actually be too big and I'd need a 6x. But I mean, the beam expanders are like... 250 bucks. So I'm not, you know, it works, it works, you know, good enough that I'm going to just leave the 8X in there, but a right. 6X, because apparently the 8X, if I'm spreading it out too much, might be losing some of that energy, energy density on the, the edges. Okay. But, you know, so what, I mean, what's the worst case scenario, you would, you would, your beam, your, your beam diameter would be bigger than the mirror, right? That would be a really big problem. And that's why we need to upgrade our, our, our head with, cause they the larger heads have larger mirrors. So, yeah, they have larger mirrors, but but with those larger mirrors, you know, larger mirrors, larger larger motors to drive them. I had right. to uh, change out my power supply from a 15 to a 24 volt power supply. You know, not yeah. not hard, right? It, like my my Galvo head came with a 24 volt power supply, but you know, like you know, still something you need to, you, you, to consider. You have to right? think about it. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of moving parts for sure, for sure. That's, yeah, um, and that and is with, definitely yeah, something I, I need to do. Sorry, I'm like two seconds yeah. behind it. I don't know why I've yeah. been trying to fix it, but like I, I definitely need to. I need to. I need to do this upgrade. You know, like it has to happen because you're you're absolutely right. The 10 millimeter head on the CO2 Galvo with the. I, I'm sure I have like a 4x. I haven't even opened it up to check, but uh, it certainly sounds right on track. Uh, it's just not cutting it, and I I would totally agree with you. Take it from me as somebody who just literally just got it in the mail. Uh, it's not. It's not good enough. Yeah. 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 And I mean, the, the big difference there is, well, it's a fiber laser, right? I mean, it's, and like, I guess if it's the people looking for a fiber laser equivalent, imagine taking a, a you know, a 20, 20 watt fiber laser and throwing a 300 millimeter focal length lens on it and then oh trying to do, God. you know, tr trying to do work with it. Right. Like that's, that's what, what it, that's what it feels like. Right. You're just like, why isn't this doing its job? Right. It'll burn, but it's like, it's not a nice crisp line. You know, it's, it's very sort of fuzzy. Um, you know, in, in the CO2 gantry world, that might be the equivalent of trying to do the fine engraving with like a four inch lens, you know, it's just not yep. going to work. Right. So, yep. uh, yeah. So small lens, like, I mean, my 60 Watts machine, I have 110 millimeter by 110 millimeter lens. So it's 160 millimeter focal distance. That's what you need. Right. And I mean, on a, on a, you know, on a standard tumbler, you know, most of them, you have about a hundred millimeters <laughs> of, of engraving area on a standard tumbler. Right. So, I mean, you're using that full you know, range to, to engrave tumblers. Right. And I mean, and with that, so, so, I mean, you know, and if people are, are sort of on the fence about, you know, going with a, a, a CO2, um, Galvo versus a CO2 gantry laser, you know, for one, you know, I was, I was spelling this out last night to someone on, on discord, right. A gantry laser for one way more support for it. Right. So you're losing, using light burn so much support for it. Uh, you have, you know, way, way more rotary attachments available. So you got like the pie burn and the, the rotoboss and all the two like big ones that, are, that everyone, you know, tends to, tends to use, but even like some of the AliExpress ones, the truck rotaries and stuff. Um, 
and then the bottom line is that you can you know you can still use it to cut jigs you can cut out things you know most people want to do something else besides engraving right so that could be the ability to cut and engrave so i mean unless you're really committed i i can honestly say that i wouldn't recommend getting a you know a, a galvo co2 laser unless you have a specific business case and can sell it right so if you're someone's like oh i, I you know i see these cool engraved tumblers i want to get into it obviously this is the machine for me like really give it some thought before you go and pull the trigger on on a on a galvo laser because so you need like, to with your 60 watt are you still you use a rotary because you don't have the 180 watts of power to get that spread around the cup without turning it right so you're you're still yeah. on rotary when you do use the 60 is that correct yeah i um i do have a uh, 200 by 200 lens for it that you can you can you can engrave a tumbler right so i mean you mm-hmm. get about I think about 12 or 13 millimeters of focal range. But, you know, once again, even with a 20 millimeter head, I just wasn't getting the quality that I needed in the engravings, right? So, I mean, so many people want engravings that are, you know, a millimeter tall, right? And like, you know, the worst case scenario, as I'm sure you guys know, is like a negative space engraving where someone wants something where it's like, you know, a little tiny feature in a huge engraved area, right? So they want something left over. That's the toughest, right? And I'll, I'll hold this up like to show, you know, like on some of these, like this is one of my testing yeah. cups, like like the detail you can get, like, you know, this text is one millimeter tall and, you know, it's clear as clear as day, right? So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's that you can't achieve with a, with a longer focal distance lens on one of these machines, right? If you had a 100 watt or a 150 watt machine, because, um, you know, anyone that's interested in lens theory, I really, really recommend <coughs> watching, uh, you know, Sarbar Multimedia on, on YouTube. You know, you want to geek out, you know, absolutely geek out. I've, I've watched, you know, probably 50, 60 hours of his content. Uh, he talks about a lot about lenses, but the bottom line is when you're laser engraving, imagine using a blowtorch, right? So if you have a really powerful blowtorch, it has, you know, a real fine cone. That, that tip has a lot of energy and you can do a lot of work with that tip. But if you're holding that tip in, in one spot for very long, or if it's a low energy and you need to, to do the damage with that low low spread, you're going to get a lot of spread of that beam, right? And laser beams are like that, right? Laser beams are like a like a, a you know a cone. So if you can go really fast, you can use just the tip of that cone to to get your your stuff, and you can get really fine details. But if you don't have the power, or if you don't have the like the the you know small off spot size, you're not going to be able to get that that you know, that, that detail that you're wanting. Right. So, right. uh, and my sort of standard is I, I want to on any machine I'm doing, I want to be able to write one millimeter tall text legibly as well as do, uh, you know, those negative space engravings, right. Where you have like, you know, uh, you know, let's say a few letters that are like, you know, a millimeter tall within a large engraved area. That's sort of like what I consider mm-hmm. my benchmark for, for, for tuning and, and how I, how I actually get my machines dialed in. And it seems like you're definitely on board and, and I can get on board with this is that, why like this is a whole spread of stuff that you have to worry about and if instead of just doing that you can just pick up a gantry co2 and get a one or two inch lens and you've you've got it just like that and that's that's all there is to it and it's much easier if you're not planning on doing hundreds of pieces right out of the gate and you haven't done the market research start with the gantry because you can instantly start to get results like that with a standard rotary tool and uh you know the short focal lengths of the of the gantry co2 is that is that kind of the takeaway here is that 
You yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's yeah. exactly it. So in, unless you're committed, unless you have a business case to purchase a, a Galvo CO2 laser. So if you're doing high volume engraving now, mm-hmm. now, I mean, we're just talking about tumblers right now, but some other things that I like the, the, the Galvo CO2s are awesome for is like production of like wooden items. So, you know, you get a job that's like, you know, someone wants a thousand, you know, wooden keychains or something, you know, throw like a, you know, 70, 70 by 70 lens on it and, you know, mm-hmm you know, you're, you're engraving one part a second, right? I mean, like you right. can, it's engraving as fast as you can, right? Actually, I have a rotary platter for my, my machine as well, plugs into the same port as the, uh, as the, 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 the like tumbler rotary. And it's this big plate and you can laser cut um, jigs for it. So you want to do pens, business cards, any of that stuff, it will engrave and you can actually load and unload it while it's engraving in one station. So I had a job when I first got my, my 60 watt, I had a job where I was, um, where I was uh, engraving uh, coasters for a company on my slate coasters on on my my gantry CO two, and they're taking like a minute each, and I had a hundred and some to do, and I was like, okay, there's got to be a faster way to do this. So I basically set up a little jig so I could just slot them in. They are ten seconds on the Galvo machine, right? And yeah. the engraving was actually superior. Right. So. So, you know, there are definitely cases where it's it's good. If you need to do high volume engraving of, of pretty much like anything, any organic materials, it, it's something you could consider. But unless you're at that place, you know, on, on a Galvo CO2, you can put, you know, a rack, you know, you can make up jigs and, and put a rack in them, right, on a, on a gantry machine and just, you know, you know, walk away from it, right? You know, so, you yeah, know, it's just one of the... Yeah, it's one of those things, right? I mean, you know, I'd say that most people, if they went out and just bought like a, you know, generic off the shelf, 20 watt, 30 watt fiber laser, they're probably going to have some fun with it, right? If you just go out and buy an off the shelf, 30 watt CO2 laser, and you don't have a, a, a case to use it, you don't understand the lenses, beam expanders, head size, you're not going to have a fun time. Right, right. This is really, really important information. Yeah. And I, I want to... I want to keep going because we've got so much to cover <laughs> with you. We're already at 40 minutes and we've still got, I've got a bunch of things on our list Sorry. that we, that we've worked out. It's okay. Uh, so um, the last pitfall that I see mentioned in our, our kind of our show notes here was that um, you were saying like, don't forget a motorized Z on a $30,000 machine. What, uh, what did you mean by that note? And like, do you want to, do you want to expand on that before we move on? Yeah. So um so basically the machine, uh, so, so my, my big machine, um, and, and actually both of my CO2 lasers, uh, my CO2 Galvo lasers were spec'd out for me, right? So our custom builds, right? So the first one from OV laser, it's, it's a blank slate, right? You can order whatever you want. And, and that's sort of with the laser manufacturers, I've, you know, the two that I've dealt with, I find that they're very price sensitive and they feel that the North American buyers maybe are really price sensitive. So they won't, they won't just say like, here's your list of what all the things you could order pick from that. Right. It's not like, you know, buying a car where you're like, Oh, I definitely want air conditioning. You know, I live in Florida. Um, it's, it's a case of, you know, if you don't ask for it, they're not going to offer it to you because they can offer you a lower price. Right. So even with the rotary, like I really had to bug them. I'm like, no, I've seen you guys have this like sweet, you know, they're trying to just offer me like a normal, you know, Chuck rotary that, that everyone seems to get with their lasers. I was like, no, like I've seen you guys have a cup rotary. Oh, that one. Okay. Well, that's 400 us dollars. I'm like, that's still, that's cheaper than like any other, you know, rotary yeah. if I was to buy it from, from the States. Right. So, right. Um, but you know, like, yeah, my big one, like, you know, a perfect example, right. They offer a motorized Z axis because I didn't specify it. And it's probably like a $200 feature or something like that. I, you know, got the machine. So here's my like work area. So it's, it's got a computer built into the base of it. It's got like an industrial, like 16 core 
32 gigs of RAM industrial computer built into it. And it's got the, the monitors off the side and stuff. The, the focus is on the other side of the machine and it's a little hand wheel. And it's like so fine. You have to like sit there and crank it like 10 times to move, you know, a, a millimeter. Right. And so I was like, I was like, why didn't I get a motorized, like this is, you know, $30,000 machine. Why does it have a motorized ZX? Right. So I ended <laughs> right. up like 3d printing, like a, a, a NEMA, a NEMA bracket and basically, uh, you know, using a stepper motor driver and stuff like that. So I have like a little pendant now that I can actually like raise and lower the, the, the Z axis with. There's lots of information out there on sort of how to do that. And lots of guys sure, do that sure. with their fiber lasers. So, yep. so I ended up doing that, right? So, you know, if you're gonna have a machine built, make sure you know exactly what you want, right? So, and for me, like the enclosure on my machine was actually, you know, an extra $1,500 feature, but I'm like, well, if I'm gonna have you know, a, a laser shop where there's people working, I need, you know, I don't want just, you know, 180 watt laser beam, you know, out there, right? Because anyone who's worked in, in, in the, in this world, it's, it's interesting, right? Because it's not, it's not like fry your retina frequency of, of light, but it is like thermal heat. So as it's engraved in the tumbler, as it wraps around the side, you'll get like a blast of heat in your face because it's yeah. like reflecting that, right? It's not gonna like probably burn your eyeballs out. I, we, you know, we have glasses right on top of the machine. It's not gonna burn your eyeballs out or see your retinas, but it's it's hot, right? And you know, it's like I, having that machine without an enclosure as well as then smoke control, um, yep. you know, that would be just ridiculous, right? So so you really have to know what you want and, and ask for all the different features on the machine when you're, when you're purchasing it, right? So, and that's why, you know, things like the Discord, <clears throat> your YouTube channel, these podcasts and stuff are so valuable for people because I think so many people just jump in, you know, like me, buy Glowforge. Well, you know, that was a, uh, you know, I ended up selling it for what I that paid. That could for, have been four thousand dollars towards your your Galo yeah, CO2 setup. Yeah, totally. If you had known what you'd wanted in advance. Exactly right. So so you know, take your time, do your research, and if you're you know if you're ordering from one of these manufacturers, generally speaking, it doesn't cost any more money to have a machine built. It costs you time, right? I mean, this machine from the time I. I put money down to the time it was in my hands was six months because of right. supply chain shortages and stuff. But you know, it's, if, if you know what you want, you can, you can definitely get it. I'm so glad that you brought this up because this is one of the things that we've been struggling with. Um, I, I really, you, you've seen all my Mactron stuff. I'm like a big Mactron fanboy, and it's because you were mentioning like the wiring inside, like you can tell, you know, it's got like a, a, a tangible difference in quality when you, when you actually find like a, a quality product manufacturer, but they have the same issue. They don't want to sell you anything that you don't ask for, you know? And it's like really been like pulling teeth. I, one of the things that we've been working on with them, uh, cause I, I do trust them as a brand and I've tried to get people to make purchases from them is, is to get more options on their, what, like just give people the ability to check a box and say, I would like a 20 millimeter head, like on checkout. Like why can't I, if I'm checking out for one of these coherent machines, why can't I check out for uh, a 20 millimeter head or an 8x beam expander those should be line items like people will figure it out if they don't know they already don't know and they're already screwed but if they do know at least it gives them the flexibility to make like an appropriate purchase and and be able to to like kit something out and i think there's a really big difference between seeing the option during checkout and being like oh there's some options i should research these or just having a listing that's built and ready to go and you just click add to cart and there was nothing to check along the way. One of our big successes with this, um, you know, on this front was I just got Mactron to add 
EasyCAD 2 or EasyCAD 3 to the yeah. listing. And you can actually, like even on 2D lasers, I, they, I, I was like, please give people the the option to, to choose to pay a little bit extra and get EasyCAD 3 built into their machine, even for their 2D lasers, because it's newer software and so many people want it. I answer so many questions about upgrading from EasyCAD 2 to EasyCAD 3. Like if you just give it to them out of the box, people will, that's like so much value just to have the option. So you know, this is another thing now. I'm going to have to go in and like have a conversation with them basically and try to get like, look, guys, like people need beam expander options when they're checking out. People need uh, Galvo head size options when they're checking out. I think that would that would go a really long way in, in making this the, the buyers more informed and making the, the, the purchasing process easier. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's just I've been that's like my personal thing behind the curtain that people don't see that I do over here a lot. is like negotiating with these guys to try to make U.S. market friendly listings, because I again, I believe in their product, but they're not presenting it in a way that's good for the, the buyer. So I'm, I'm trying to trying to rectify that. And it's just been really frustrating. So I'm glad you touched on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that also, you know, it's it's. It's, and it's interesting, right? Because, you know, I think that we're probably in on, on what, you know, could be the ground floor of this, right? I mean, like the Glowforge is like fairly like, you know, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's a fairly new thing, right? And having like lasers is a pretty new thing, right? And I know that, you know, for instance, um, you know, there are, you know, even in the Gantry CO2 world, there are some amazing machines out there, right? Like, so, you know, everyone talks about like Boss Laser and, and Thunder Laser and stuff like that as being like these, you know, American brands. Well, guess what? Gwiki or Gwiki or however, however you say the, the name, they're the manufacturer. They actually make the Glowforge. So, and they've actually, I don't know if you guys have noticed, they've actually ripped off the Glowforge and they have like a Gwiki cloud laser now that's basically like a, a cheaper Glowforge. They manufacture mm-hmm. the, the Glowforge, right? Um, but like Gwiki, they also make Thunder lasers and they are like gorgeous machines. Uh, a friend of mine actually had one. Uh, he was using uh, some space in my shop here. Uh, he brought one in and he was basically like, he added like a air assist and stuff like that to it to, to, you know, help someone out and everything about the build quality. Like I have a red sale, which is like also a fairly, fairly well-known brand, everything, like all the pulleys, the, the belt system, the wiring, everything was just like that step above. It didn't have acrylic, like the, the, the windows were actually tempered glass. They weren't wow. acrylic, right? Like everything about the machine was just like a step above. And I think that that you know the buying process is so tough and so so such an awful experience that uh, and this this segues really well into into my my business concept right but um you know the 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 buying process is so awful for the lasers everyone just wants to go onto an aliexpress pick out 15 options that they want hit add to cart and have it show up by dhl right um it's a pain in the butt to talk to the manufacturers, but honestly, if you want the best machine and the best value, you know, if, if like, if someone wanted a, a gantry style CO2 laser and they're like, I want like a good value, I'd say, hands down, go onto Alibaba, go to GWiki factory, not like someone who's a reseller, go talk to the GWiki factory, give them the machines, the specs of a machine you want and get a, like hands down, like they're super high quality machines. They come with like a recce tube, you know, all the best components, Ruida controllers and stuff like that. And they're just like a stout machine, right? Just, and I think that all these middlemen and the resellers like Ohm Tech and stuff like that, I mean, they're doing a great job of making them accessible and especially like having stock available in the US, but you know, they're, they're, they're just basically pandering to the, to the person who's the price buyer. 
and not right. the person who's actually, you know, needs a machine for business, right? Which sort of clouds, um, clouds things up, right? Unfortunately, you can't blame them either because I feel like when a lot of people get into this, so many people that join the Discord for the very first time, they come in and they're just like, it's a, it's the race to the bottom, always, you know? Yeah. And it's, I, I try to tell people and it's like one of those things where it's, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. This is a, this is a, you get what you pay for industry. There's not, you're not getting a, a better price than everybody else. You're getting a worse product, you know? Um, and you, you have to at some point like spend money. Cause we're not talking about resellers and we're not talking about hand built American made machines. We're talking about two people saying they're going to give you a 30 watt JPT laser source. And one of you is charging you a thousand dollars. And then the other guy is charging you 2,500 and you're not getting the same thing from both of those people. You know what I mean? Um, and it just like, I, I try so hard to, to tell people that like, it, it's not a race to the bottom. You are already get saving 90% of what you would be spending from an American made machine, you know, by, by importing from China. Don't also skimp when you're importing from China. Like you've already made those savings. So I would, I would like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but um, I totally agree with you. Like, you know, go to a quality manufacturer that's putting out good stuff, not the no name places and, and build a machine with them. You know what I mean? And see what they can offer you. Even if you're shopping around between a couple different quality manufacturers, you know, that's one thing, but like, but like talk, talk to those guys, talk to the names people know. We know the names for a reason, you know? So yeah. Um, and, and that's, that, that was actually a big reason that I haven't been very, and I was so happy to find like, like, the laser everything community because on the Facebook groups, it's, it's totally just become this, you know, you know, someone every, every you know, hour, it seems someone's going on there and they're like, okay, I have a $400 budget and I want to cut aluminum and I want to, you know, have, have something I can take to a craft show and uh, you know, and, and make tumblers on it and also, you know, have it, shoot out glitter, you know? And it's like, it's just like, okay, like what you're asking for literally doesn't exist. If you, yeah. you know, you know, then it's just so ridiculous that, you know, like people, there's so many resources to, to do your research. And, and that's one of the things that like drives me nuts is that, you know, so many people just, you know, are looking, you know, it's just like, give me your settings, give me your settings, give me your settings, right? It's like, okay, like so many people are just looking for that, like easy answer, but if it's so much more fulfilling, if you actually do your research, get the machine that's right for you, because, you know, what's right for Tony isn't necessarily right for me or, you know, right for, right for someone else. Right. It's, it's, you have a use case. And then the other thing is that the, the one that like drives me nuts is that someone's like, Oh, uh, you know, if I buy this machine, how long will it take me to make my money back? It's like, well, okay, that's not how it, how it works, right? It, you can make that's your money a, back. That's back. a business question, not a technical yeah, question. You're know, asking like, it like a technical question. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, totally. uh, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, you could, you know, some people are happy buying a laser and like literally never making, you know, their money back because that's not what it's about. They're buying it because it's a fun tool. They're a maker. They want to do that, right? That's fine. But, yeah. um, you know, if, 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 if that's your first question, you probably need to reconsider your business case. You know, if right, it's like, right. how long will it take me? Well, that's, you know, you need to think about yeah, that, right? So yeah, 100%. I mean, there are different lasers do different jobs. You can't do everything. Jeff Bezos can do everything. We're not Jeff Bezos. You know what I mean? You can't buy eight lasers and have them all doing their little perfect job. And, and you have every capability in the world. They're not iPhones. You know, they're, they're like specialized machines. They're literally, they're specialized machines and they all do their thing really well. 
And if you try to force one machine to do all of those different jobs, you're going to be disappointed with it. You yeah. know, I, there's a lot of, I, you know, we do a lot of weird experimenting and, you know, testing here, like uh, how to engrave leather on a fiber laser. You shouldn't be Bagels. engraving leather on a fiber laser. You <laughs> should be, you should be engraving leather on a CO2 gantry. That's, yeah. that's where you should be doing it or on the Galvo if you have a reason to do it on the Galvo. But like, and I get like, I, well, I can't afford multiple machines. And I'm like, well, that's a, that's a business question now. You know, it's like if you can't do all of the things you want to do in your business, maybe you should focus on the things you can do, make a profit and then move into it's a we'll save that for part two. But um, yeah. <laughs> so so moving on, because we have three more things I want to hit. We're coming up on an hour. I don't want to cut us off on an hour. We're going to go a little over just because I do want to I do want to work through these last couple things. But um, you you mentioned um I'm going to save the the customer focused design for the very end because that'll be a good segue into business. So, just you you mentioned your your light burn workflow to EasyCAD. Uh, Ooh, what? That's a good one. <laughs> okay. So, <Yeah. laughs> um, okay. So so um, this one's good. Yeah. Okay. I just have to think about how to say this. Okay. So um, basically, um, you know, what I found was. Uh, especially because I have a lot of user submitted artwork. Um, so, so basically that's what my business is built on, right? Is people can submit a design and be able to, uh, you know, have me engrave it on a cup, right? Unless you have a good fast workflow that doesn't work. So, um, you know, when I was doing all, you know, a lot of my initial stuff with Lightburn, I found a, f a few things in Lightburn that are just like game changers, right? So for one, yeah. the trace module in Lightburn is hands down, I've used, you know, Illustrator. I have some, some like very specialized software. Um, the only other piece of software I'd, I'd probably recommend is called Vector Magic. It's actually really expensive, um, but it's it's a great uh, piece of software. Um, you know, you can you can download a trial of it and stuff. But Vector Vector Magic's an amazing one. It's, it's more designed for prints, but it uh, it does like lots of multicolor stuff, lots of features. You know, it it does a really good job of figuring out like how to to make make something better that's that's my like someone you know sends me basically like a, a basket case design then i might go to vector magic but lightburn trace module is amazing but mm -hmm. the other thing that i think a lot of people forget about with lightburn is that like let's say you're an illustrator if you have just like a line vector file you can't see how that's going to render on a laser so if you have something like lines that aren't connected you can't see that it's not filled for instance but lightburn has that filled rendering option so if you right. have a vector that's not connecting, so let's say you have a letter O, the middle of the O is where it's doubled up. There's two, you know, it's duplicated. You can see that on light burn because it's actually showing how a laser is going to output that. And the other final thing is that light burn out exports in DXF that works with EasyCAD 2 and EasyCAD 3. So you export from light burn in DXF. You can import it right into EasyCAD 2 or EasyCAD 3. I have wow. never had a issue with a Lightburn exported file in either of them versus AI. If you don't choose the right, you know, <laughs> you know, 15 generation old AI output or whatever, it's not going to work. Right. So I, if you export, I, I'm looking DX at where <laughs> I didn't even know that Lightburn had image trace, let alone yeah. like, oh, really? like advanced vector editing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've like, I've, don't get, I've, this isn't the first I'm hearing of it, but like before maybe I, really started ramping up the channel a couple months ago. I've been using Lightburn for years. 
And I had no idea that those kind of features were even available. I've never messed around with them ever. So and, and, like and, and the trace the the tracer in Lightburn is unreal. So and and one yeah. of the big things is that if you have a really uh, uh, pixelated image, it doesn't try and 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 chase the the jagged edges. It mm-hmm. will make it'll basically it's a line of best fit essentially. So, so if you like have one of those really pixelated yeah. images, it will, in, yeah, it'll, exactly. It'll, it'll interpret the Bezier's and it will come out with like an awesome output. Um, you know, Do it's, you find uh, you're like resizing or rescaling things before, or are you literally taking like hundred pixel wide, like thumbnails and throwing them in and getting good traces out of them? Yep. Yep. Wow. So okay, yeah, and, and a little bit, and, and a little bit of that, that is, is knowing what you can get away with on, on like, like engraving a tumbler. So like, I sure. know, for instance, if you're engraving something that's two millimeters tall, if the little corner in a T is a little bit rounded, you know, like it's not going to show up. No one's going to know the difference. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, so it's a little bit of, of knowing that, but I can say that 95 plus percent of the artwork I get, uh, and it comes in at 300 DPI for, for like a 75 millimeter. So it's about 900 pixels wide. We just do a trace and light burn and export it. And even like, it's like option or alt X, you know, option X on, on, on a Mac, it pulls up the export window. So it's like option X, you know, enter your file name, enter done. It's exported. It's ready for light burn. So, and then I have a system of like file, like, like files, um, cl- uh, cloud files. So I use Google drive for instance. So, um, when I get an order in from my website, it dumps into a Google drive fol- folder that I can then pull up on any computer in my shop and then re-export that artwork back into into um into that folder and then it's ready to go for the laser so at dxf so i have, yeah, kind, of a so, sel- I have kind of a selfish question just because yeah. i'm curious and, and we're here and we're chatting um how does it handle like a color image if you had a color image that you needed to trace because like one of the things that i struggle with all the time even with my super expensive fancy photoshop and illustrator is uh people send me patch i get patches a lot like actual like stitched patches how how would you like handle something like that have you ever gotten anything like that that's like the worst case scenario because there's a bunch of colors there's a lot of little detail in the stitching what 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 kind of workflow would that look like with lightburn light so lightburn actually so the trace module once again in lightburn is really awesome so mm-hmm. sometimes what you have to do because it brings it in as grayscale it doesn't even show you a color option so when you import okay. it into lightburn it shows you it as grayscale but what you can do is basically you can just sort of set because it has like the the threshold slider of course where it sort of picks things but it's a live view too it's not like it's not like illustrator where you have to like sort of wait for it to render out and then you never know what the result's going to look like it's giving mm-hmm. you a live result but then the other thing with that is um is that you can also then pull up the threshold. So you can like, like, like you can exclude things under a certain size. So someone gives you a grainy image, you just say, uh, you know, exclude less than, you know, 10 pixels, all the, all the noise is gone. Right. And then, um, you know, it's just something you got to play around with. Like yeah, it, it works really good. So, so you just amazing. play with the different levels. If I get something that's a real basket case, I will go to vector magic. Like I was saying, like, like something like that patches. There's actually, I've never done this, but for patches, there's people on like, you know, on some of the Facebook groups, they're like, they'll do a, a, a patch into a vector for like five bucks. I wouldn't even like yeah, at that point, if I was doing lots of them. Shout out to Joy Designers, info at joydesigners.com. Oh, I, yeah. I use, yeah, her, her name's her name's Joy and she's like the boss queen of that stuff. And she does them for like a couple bucks. And I, uh, you know, I really like supporting her business. So I try to shout her out when I can, because uh, she, she's a champ and that's, yeah, I mean, but I like doing stuff myself when I can, but um, when I can't, you know, yeah, definitely outsourcing is the way to go. I'm going to keep and pushing. I, I'm going to keep pushing. Okay, us, sure. Um, yeah. we're, 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 we're almost to the end. Um, 
So you wanted to touch on some differences between EasyCAD 2 and EasyCAD 3 for people. And this is one of the biggest questions I get. I get this all the time. We really need to just sit and just publish an, an, an like a real episode on this. Yeah. But um, you want to you want to cover some some aspects of that. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts because you said you use both. Yeah. So yeah, I use EasyCAD 2 on my fiber laser. So I, that's something I haven't even talked about. Like I have a fiber laser. I actually got it. I, I had a package deal thrown in with this one. So I'm like, so how much for a fiber laser to ship with this, right? So I got you know, what is probably a $10,000 machine for like 3,500 bucks. So mm -hmm. it's, it's like a, you know, awesome, like little compact machine, yeah, autofocus, all that stuff. But so I use that on my fiber and my, and my uh, 60 watt gantry. And then this machine runs on EasyCAD three. Now, both of them suck for design. Like they're like hands down, like they both, like if you think you're going to design and get away with not having an illustrator or a light burn, um, you know, it, it's, it's not a design software, right? But the biggest difference with EasyCAD 3 is that EasyCAD 3 is a native 64-bit program. So it can use more than 4 gigabytes of RAM and it doesn't crash as bad. So I know that, that you know, EasyCAD, everyone calls it Easy Crash. And like for EasyCAD 2, I can't tell you how many like $40 tumblers I have that, you know, halfway through it like stop. It was just like stop in the middle of engraving it. Or you're trying to like, you know, load like a you know, like a, 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 you know, one megabyte DXF file and it just like crashes out and you're like, well, what the heck? Like it's <laughs> like, this is, this seems like a pretty core function. Yeah. Um, you know, EasyCAD 2. So a common misconception about EasyCAD 2 is that EasyCAD 2 can't do 3D. And actually there is a, is a 3D module. I don't know what board it is, but they actually do have, it's in the, you know, once again, in the depths of like Galvo CO2 YouTube, um, there are some, some, some ones that show like an actual dynamic focus uh, capability mm. in EasyCAD mm. 2. But EasyCAD 3, like like the biggest thing I use it for is of course the 3D uh, functions of it, right? And it's really cool because when I bind my my vector to a 3D item, it actually will like show and I can actually like like uh, orbit, like like you can in like uh, Fusion and stuff like that. I can actually orbit and like look at like how it actually wraps around the object. It's pretty cool um, right. to see that. Um, and then other, otherwise, I mean, there's some other things like an EasyCAD 3 that I think would be for the right person, people, a game changer, like the projector feature where you can actually hook up a projector and have it project your workspace onto right. your actual workspace. So like, let's say, you know, you're doing a whole bunch of stuff and you have like weird shaped items or like, you know, like let's say even like slate coasters or something, instead of having to like red light it, you could actually see how the image would fit onto your item, right? So there's some things like that in EasyCAD 3 that I think are pretty cool. Um, but you know, the core features that I use, you know, like, which are, you know, the hatch, the, the, you know, all the different pen settings and stuff are, are pretty much the same. EasyCAD 3, it's, there's an advantage and a disadvantage because you can save different hatch settings. So I actually have like, for instance, like a first pass and a second pass hatch, because lots of times I'll run two passes. And I mean, like we're talking, you know, like game changing levels of speed. Like, I mean, I, I regularly have items that are engraving in like four or five seconds. So if they're engraving that fast, I'll do a second pass a lot of the times for one, because I can't even load and unload the machine that fast. But also then if I do a second pass, especially in like a black or a Navy uh, tumbler, I can get away without cleaning it. So mm -hmm. no, like no cleaning, like it, off of the laser, I give it a wipe, I wipe off the dust because there'll be a little bit of dust on it, but like it's a shiny engraving, like it's into the box. So, right. you know, so, so basically, except for the fact that most tumblers, you need to like cut off a label or unbox them or something like that. Like the, the laser engraving is actually the fastest out of all the processes, right? 
Yep. Um, now, sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent there, but the, the other um, thing with, so, so you can save the hash settings uh, on EasyCAD 3, which is good. However, the problem is it doesn't load one uh, a default hatch setting if you hit like control H to do hatch. So that was my workflow on EasyCAD 2, control H, enter. Like that was the hatch mm-hmm. done, right? right. On right. EasyCAD 3, you actually have to select from a, ch- uh, from a dropdown box of your hatches or else it won't enable. It, it doesn't like by, de- there might be a setting like in like some weird, you know, parameters file, some text file somewhere that like has a default hatch, but it right. doesn't have a default hatch, which is really annoying when you're trying to have a really fast workflow, right? Because I'm all about the keyboard shortcuts, like control I to import, you know, all the, you know, the, how to center it and stuff like that. Like it's, it's all like so much is all about shortcuts and stuff, right? But, um, but yeah, not having the default hatch is actually really annoying. But if you are doing something like, you know, you're doing coins or like some stuff you guys do where you need to have a whole bunch of different hatch settings, that, that's a great feature, right? And it might, you know, if you're not doing volume, it might actually be a really good workflow. So those it's, are like the, especially, the big differences. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're, you've got like tumblers and wood for the most part, you know, and it's like in the fiber world, there's like 80 different materials that, that people are are working on with the fiber lasers and every single one of them requires three different hatches, depending on the look that you're trying to get. So having that, that three, the easy CAD three, like hatch saving parameter, that just sounds like a freaking godsend to me. That's the thing that I want the most. I'm really, I'm looking forward to, I think we're actually going to, I think we're going to order an easy CAD three board and make the swap on the fiber laser and, and make an episode out of that, which will be really interesting. But yeah, uh, that's I'm neither there. here nor there. Listen, wow. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're over an hour. We're at an hour and six. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to cut us off. But um, that is just like, that is like, like it just, just a direct injection of knowledge <laughs> from Alex Campbell here over at Atrified. Um, I, I'm going to have to re-listen to this episode like three times, yeah. but it's, um, yeah. it's wow. Just so, so incredible to, to hear your experience. I think it's, it's radically different than most people that are listening to this right now who very likely went like, like maybe diode CO2 fiber. And uh, just seeing your perspective where you've got this Tumblr focus, you've got this batch, you know, um, kind of like like we're, we're really kind of trying to do like batch jobs and it's about speed. Um, just seeing things from this perspective with these new machines that we don't see very often has been just like really, really mind bending. When we come back next week, uh, we are going to talk about the business side of things. We're going to meet businessman Alex Campbell instead of technical man Alex Campbell. And we're going to talk about how how you're running your business, some some different functions of it and, and how you got there. So I'm really looking forward to touching base on all that. We'll probably have a little extra time during that session too, where I can open it up and actually let our other hosts here ask a couple questions. I'm sure you guys, I can see some of the gears turning and you're just like, you've got the questions bubbling, uh, but we had so much to cover today. So we will get to that next week. Uh, so thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, really, really quick. Um, Tony, where can people find what you're working on right now? All right, so I'm, I hang out in the Discord. Uh, my handles would be Etched Ideas um, on all the platforms, and website's coming soon, so it'll be etchedideas.com. Uh, still in the right. works. Excellent, excellent. We'll keep an eye on that. Lithgow, what's up with you? Uh, um That's mostly my light stuff, but a bit of laser. Uh, and also, I'm on the Discord and on Facebook, Lithgow Lights. Excellent. Perfect. Geo? Mostly on the Discord right now, but I've also got Instagram and YouTube uh, under Maker Theory, uh, M-A-K-R Theory. 
You got lucky this week, man. I haven't had uh, I haven't even had a, a beat to to harass you about getting that first episode up, but I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, Alex, seriously, dude, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Um, where can people like check out your work, see what you're doing? So uh, I'll be the first person to admit that my social media game is weak. Uh, you know, I really focus on, on, on the website, but uh, yeah. com. you know, if someone wants to see like what I do and, and how I sort of run that sort of things, check out com, And then on Facebook and Instagram at Edgefied. Now, I'm sure that they are going to be uh, probably... Uh, have a lot of questions if they visit etchified.com about like what's going on there because I know we're going to touch on that and some of the features of your website in next week's episode so hang on to those questions guys we're going to get into it and we're going to we're going to sink our teeth into that side of things next week if you haven't already please consider going and signing up for the patreon it's patreon.com slash laser everything it supports the podcast it supports the channel it supports the discord community and everything we're trying to do here and uh it's it's really really just the, the best way to support the show you get bonus episodes every single week so uh we actually just finished recording our first bonus episode before this interview if you want to hear a little more from the guys and what's going on in their shops the bonus episodes are funny and fun uh and sometimes a little bit frustrating but uh it's just excellent bonus content you also get uh access to live streams fiber and co2 parameter libraries and a whole litany of other things that you guys have heard me talk about a thousand times so uh go do your homework on that and uh rate and review the podcast if you are listening on apple podcasts it really helps us meet uh new people and, and share this information with people who really need to hear it uh before making a purchasing decision especially this episode so uh thank you so much for rating and reviewing and i think that is it uh, i think we've done all of our housekeeping so i'm gonna go ahead and close out thank you guys so much for watching and we'll see you in the next one.